David and Goliath. Have you ever heard this story before? <laughs> David and Goliath. If you have your journals, um, you can grab it. We're around page 28, 29, and, and going forward this week. And um, these journals are just a great opportunity for you to take the conversation from Sunday and continue it during the week. If you don't have a journal, you can grab one at Connect Central today. They're free. Um, we want to put it in your hands so that you could track along with uh, maybe what God wants to do in your life uh, through the week, not just on Sundays. And uh, we've been in this, this series called Goliath Must Fall, and we've been talking about the story of David and Goliath and looking at different pieces and walking around the story and trying to wrestle with what God wants to tell us and teach us and uh, what he would have for us as a people who are following Jesus and learning to love. And last week, uh, just a quick little review. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on review. You can celebrate that later. But um, just last week, we talked about how important the community is when it comes to facing our giants. How important it is to be with a tribe of people or a group of people or some loved ones or family members or, or trusted friends as we face the Goliaths in our lives. And the truth is, all of us will face a Goliath in our life. Every single one of us. Some of you are facing them right now and you're wondering, will my Goliath ever fall? You know, I, I'm held by addiction or by an attitude in my life that I just can't seem to get past or some pain or a label or there's shame in my life that I, I just can't, it's like it's taunting me, just like Goliath taunted the Israelites. And it is so in, very important in life to have a group of people that we can walk with and journey with, people who love us and want the best for us as we fight the giants in our lives. And last week we said this, that God's forgiveness and his grace is often made known to us by his Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of that vertical relationship with God that, that oftentimes we experience his grace and his forgiveness just through this personal uh, sense that the Holy Spirit is with us and we're forgiven and we're, we, we embrace the grace that he has for us. But it's often in the horizontal relationships of life with trusted friends when we're vulnerable with the sin in our life or the brokenness or the giants that we're facing or the shame or the labels that somebody has put on us, it's, it's his healing and his freedom that oftentimes comes when we can open up and be honest with some people who love us and who want to shoulder the burden with us, who want to carry uh, some of the burden alongside of us. And I, and I know I've, I've mentioned this every single week in the series, and I'm just going to mention it again. I think the 12 Steps program and AA, that journey, I, I say program, it's really a journey. Um, I believe AA and 12 Steps is a, is a picture of this. I think that is a journey that is what God would uh, have for all of us. Freedom that comes when we're journeying with some others in loving relationships where we can be honest about our struggles and our challenges. And I think I said this last week, that the church is not a museum for the buttoned up and fixed up, right? Like the church, we, sometimes we portray that image that this is just a place to come once you have it all together in your life. And it, 
so I'm, I, just as an example, when I was a kid, I grew up in church. Many of you grew up in church. And I had to wear every Sunday my Sunday best. Now think about this. Now I get it. I, I understand Sunday best, like, like we put on our best for God. and we show, But think about what it can also say. Now come on. Think about what it can say as we teach our children and one another that we need to put on what's best so that other people see what's best when we come into the church or the house of God. Now think about what that can teach. That I also have to hide the things that I'm really struggling with or dealing with so that other people don't know that there's a giant taunting me. Are you with me, church? It got really, it got really quiet. Maybe we should pass around a microphone. No. Um, I, I just, I, Sunday best, don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't dress up for church. You should, all that. It's great. But be careful also of beginning to believe that you have to put on your best for God and hide the reality that all of us face. The church is a hospital. It's a healing ground. We want to deal with the realities of life. We don't just want to polish, polish for the images of life. And the community is such an important part of that, what we're creating together as a community. Now, um, I'm going to give you just a different take on the David and Goliath story or a different way to think about it just for a minute. And uh, many biblical scholars do this when they come to some of the Old Testament stories. And I want us to understand the Bible, and I want to maybe give you a way to think about the Bible. Um, our friends at the Bible Project often say this, that the Bible is a unified story all pointing to Jesus. So think about this. The entire Bible, even the stories that come before the life of Jesus, the entire Bible is a unified story. So it's, it's all fitting together, and it's all pointing to Jesus. Like, that's the story of Scripture, all of it. And I would say to you, there's a lot of stories that are um, head scratchers in the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, you read them, and you, you think to yourself, number one, like, what does... What in the world is that doing in Scripture? And number two, what does that have to do with me today? And I would encourage you, if you ever hit one of those moments when you're reading Scripture that you're just scratching your head, you're wondering, is it applicable? Try to, to, to back away from Scripture and look at it in light or with the framework of Jesus around it. Because Jesus often brings clarity to what is confusing. And when we, when we turn our minds to Jesus and we see that Jesus is the point of all of it, Jesus as grace fulfilled, love embodied for all of us, that we begin to understand Scripture maybe in a better way. And so we come to the story of, of David and Goliath, and um, one of the ways that scholars understand the story of David and Goliath, and I love this, so oftentimes we read David and Goliath and we think to ourselves, I got to strategize. And we said this a few weeks ago, I got to strategize to overcome my giant. So I've got to figure out, like David picked up five stones from the creek, or in Alabama, the creek. And he got his five stones, and these five stones 
one of them was the one that took down Goliath. And I need to figure out what five stones should I have in my pocket when I come up against the enemy and which one has Goliath's name on it so that I can throw the right stone at the right time. And scholars, you know, have looked at this story and we've looked at different ways to understand it. And there's many scholars who say we need to take a step back and realize that we are not David. Jesus is. We're not David in the story, because oftentimes we want to be at the center of the story. We want to be the heroes of our own story. Come on. We want to be at the center. And many scholars understand the story, and they want to read the story as David embodying, just like Jesus at the center, David embodying the power of God while we, the Israelites, have been shaking in fear on the hillside, and it's our Savior, Jesus, who comes to take down the giants in our lives. Now, come on, church. That's a different way to understand the story. Many of us want to be David. We want to see our Goliath fall, and many scholars read this, and they say, with Jesus at the center, Jesus is David in the story, and our giants have already fallen. We need to trust him and walk with him in the realities of our life. It's a little bit different way to see the story, isn't it? That means that we're the ones shaking in our boots on the hillside, placing our trust in a young shepherd boy from Bethlehem. Oh, wait a minute. David was from Bethlehem? Yeah, who else is from Bethlehem? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. I'm not gonna sing again, sorry. That. And so here we find every day for us is a new day. And we um, we have the potential to live in fear or we have the potential for the victory, to to live in the victory that Jesus has already won. The victory of life and hope and peace. And again, it does not ignore the reality of life, but it places our trust in the one who actually has the strength to help us overcome. It puts ourselves, it puts us in the place of trusting God as he wants us to trust him. And in that, here's what's vitally important as a part of the battle. What we choose to listen to. Now, think about this. What are we filling our minds with, church? What is it that we're choosing to to saturate our minds with? That's part of the battle that you're facing in life. The giants that you have in your life Part of the battle is what it is that you're filling your mind with. What fills your mind will seep down into your heart. And you'll begin to believe that's true. So what are you filling your mind with? Who are you surrounding yourselves with? This is where the community thing is so important. Who's in your circle? All of us have a circle. You have a circle. I have a circle. We have trusted friends. Who is it that we're choosing to surround ourselves with? And then where are we walking? Where is it that we're going? All of that is a part of the battle 
when it comes to our giants, our Goliaths in life. Um, I remember my mom used to ask me the question all the time, like, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? And we in Alabama, we, um, we had the, ten the Tennessee River runs through northern Alabama. And um, I actually have a friend uh, named Brian who, when he was in high school, he used to jump off the bridge over the Tennessee River, and it was extremely dangerous. It was crazy. Um, and he was crazy. Um, and I remember my mom used to say, if your friends jumped off the bridge, would you? And I wonder, like, why are you at the bridge anyway? That's my question for my kids, is be careful who you surround yourself and where you walk, because where you walk and who you surround yourself with and what you fill your mind with will actually lead you to do the very things that probably can cause you great pain and destruction in life. Are you with me, church? Now, we say that to our kids. Do we believe it for ourselves? Do we believe it for ourselves? What are we filling our minds with? Who are we surrounding ourselves with and where are we walking? There's this Psalm, Psalm 143. David wrote this Psalm. And um, I want you to just kind of track with me. I, I just picked out a couple verses. This is what David says. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Do you ever feel that way? Do you, do, you ever, do you ever feel like you're getting to the place where there is no hope left? And have you ever felt paralyzed with the fear of whatever it is that, that stands in, in front of you and taunts you? So look what David does with that. Now, the Psalms, remember in, in the Bible, the Psalms were, was kind of the prayer book for the Jewish people. So these were prayers. So this is David being honest before God saying, I'm losing all hope. It seems like you're silent and distant and I am paralyzed with fear. But listen to where David goes. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. Let me hear of your unfailing love. Like David wants to fill his mind with the truth that no matter what he's facing, God's love is present in his life. And we need to hear that, church. You need to hear that. No matter how many times it seems like you failed or you tripped or you've made a poor decision, God's mercy and his love is new every morning. And we need to fill our minds with the good fruit of God, the good words of God, the good love of God. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk. This is one of the reasons, like, we encourage you every morning to open up um, the Bible or the Bible app on your phone and fill your mind with the goodness of God and the good words of God so that you also might have guidance in your life. Show me where to walk. And then he, he goes on, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. Look where David finds direction for his life. The spirit. He's asking God for his spirit, God's very spirit, to give him direction and firm footing. And church, this is where I think 
We, we don't talk enough about God's spirit. We don't talk enough about how important it is to open our hearts and our minds and our lives to the spirit of God within us. Because when we start talking about the spirit, we get all nervous. And maybe you've heard in the past, the spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost. And it's like not even, it's not even Halloween yet. Like we can't talk about the Holy Ghost. And what is the Holy Ghost? And it makes me nervous because it's not tangible. And I don't like, like the spirit is where David goes when he's paralyzed by fear. And the Spirit is God's presence and power for you and for me. And why would we shy away from, why would we lean away from, why would we be nervous to actually receive the same Spirit that led David and gave him firm footing in his life? Oh, it's so beautiful. The Spirit and what God wants to bring about through the Spirit is so beautiful for us. And it is the game changer. The Holy Spirit is the game changer for us when we face the giants in our lives. It's the game changer. Um, let me, oftentimes people ask, yeah, I just want to know God's will for my life. Do you know God's will? Like, what should I do? Should I take this job or that job? Or should I marry this guy? Or is that girl the one for, you know, whatever it is. Like, can you tell me God's will for my life? Let me tell you God's will for your life. Are you ready? Here it is. Are you ready? Okay. Here's God's will for your life. God's will for your life is for Christ to be formed in you. That's it. God wants his son, Jesus, which is love embodied to be formed in you. That's his will for you. You're like, well, what does that even mean? Like, I'm looking for a spouse, Matt. Here's what it means. Become the person through the Holy Spirit that you're looking for in a spouse. Let Christ be formed in you. First and foremost, let Christ be formed in you and I'm telling you, there will be a person that God will meld you with to walk through life with. If your focus is external, you're going to be formed to what it is that you're looking for out here. That person, that job, Christ formed in you. How does this happen? Through the Holy Spirit. Um, I said it this way, the Holy Spirit is not only the presence of God in our lives, which we need, He's also the power of God in our lives. And God's power far outweighs any emotion or habit or sin or brokenness that is present in our lives. And so for the next little bit, um, just a few more minutes, stay with me just for a few more minutes. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and encourage us to lean, 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 fall, run into the Holy Spirit and let Christ be formed in us. Okay? Are you with me just for a couple more minutes? Can you stay with me just for a couple more minutes? Come on, church. Here we go. This is what the Holy, oh wait, for you have been called to live in freedom. You, God wants you to live in freedom from any giant, any sin, any brokenness, any shame, any label that's been placed on you. God wants freedom for you. That's good news, church. You should smile. God wants freedom for you. It's good. And you can smile in church. We don't have to look so serious all the time in church. Why do you always look so serious? Like, 
it's good news. God wants us to experience freedom in life. And here's how we do that. We let the Holy Spirit lead our lives. Like Paul, he's writing, trying to help us understand how is it that we find freedom from the things that seem to hold us back and taunt us and cause us to shake in fear or be paralyzed by fear. And here's what the Holy Spirit produces. This is it. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is where the fruit dessert comes in. Some of you are like, I thought we were going to talk about fruit. Here it is. Like, this is the fruit. This is the peach cobbler. Some scholars read this passage of Scripture. I'm going to give you a couple different things to think about today. Because I, I think we can handle looking at things through different lenses. Some believe that what Paul was writing was not that all these were the fruit, but that the Holy Spirit produces this fruit, love. And here's the question, what does love look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what it looks like. That's what love looks like. Well, what does it mean to love someone? It means to be patient and fight for peace and bring goodness and be, just be kind to others. That's what love looks like. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's in my life? Am I finding more joy in life? Am I more patient? Oh, am I more patient? That's a terrible question for us. Walking into the season when people come back to Shea and drive as slow as they possibly can. Here we go. No, no. But how do I know if I'm opening my spirit to God's spirit and my mind and my heart? Am I becoming filled with more joy? Am, am I embracing am I embracing peace, but not just embracing peace, am I living peace in a world of division, in a world of hatred? Am I what is helping bring people together rather than push people apart? Am I becoming more patient as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a boss, as a coworker? Am I more apt to kindness when someone pushes my buttons. Now, I'm going to, sometimes I feel like um, I say some things that give, give you some insight into to me, and I, and I want you not just to, like, laugh at me, but I want you to think about for you, like, what are the things in your life that seem to come up again and again and again? And for me, and I don't know where it comes from. I've, I've talked to a counselor. Um, every now and then, I feel like anger is something that I struggle with. Does, any, does anybody else, can anybody else feel that? Like every now and then, it's just like anger. And I don't know where it comes from. I don't know all the roots of it. And um, every now and then, there's this thing of anger that rises up within me. It's like one of those giants in my life. I hope somebody else feels that or senses that, not because I want you to struggle with it, but I just don't want to be alone in it. Um, you know what I mean? So when we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and giving the Holy Spirit room in our lives over time, that anger, my, my levels of anger should lower, and the number of times anger seems to come up in my life should decrease over time. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so it's one of the ways we can, we can gauge our openness to the Spirit is if we are changing over time. And 
um, I remember one of these seasons of my life when I was struggling with, with anger, and there's a pastor that I listen to because, you know, I, I want to grow in, in the ways I understand the Spirit in my life, too. And so I listen to a pastor, a couple pastors on a regular basis, and one of those is, his name's Bruxy. Um, he's not, like, his name is Bruxy Cavey, and if you look him up, he doesn't look anything like what his name makes him sound like, but his name's Bruxy Cavey, and he, he I, I heard him say this, Whatever it is that anger and outrage are helping you accomplish, love will do a better job. And I kind of, I chewed on that. And I was like, what does that, like, what does that mean? Like, if I get angry in a moment, let's say because my, um, this, this never happens in my house, but because my kids didn't take the trash out when I asked them to. I mean, that never happens, but let's just say, and I get angry about that, and I, and I, and I overflow in anger, then what does it mean that my anger, what my anger is trying to accomplish is obedience from my kids, right? And what Bruxy is suggesting is that the fruit of the Spirit, that love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that that actually will do a better job of accomplishing what I want down the road than my anger will. Does that make sense? And so I started to walk this out a little bit, and it's actually true. I mean, you need to test it on your own, but I, I think it's true that love will help us accomplish whatever it is we're trying to accomplish better than whatever it is that seems to, to trip us up or wreck us. So I, I, I added this to, to this statement, whatever it is that blank, and I want you to fill in your blank, what is it that you struggle with? What emotion, um, what habit, what attitude, Whatever it is that that is, is helping you to accomplish, what Bruxy suggests and what I would suggest is that the Holy Spirit's work to produce love in us will do a better job than whatever that is. Now let's think about this on some different levels. I'm going to use two examples. Shopping. Some of us... Um, when we're overcome with emotion or whatever, like we go shopping. Don't nudge people. Next, that's not fair. <laughs> Let God's spirit do the work. You're like, I'm just helping. <laughs> shopping. Shopping is uh, something that, that some people struggle with. And it becomes an outlet for them. And what this is suggesting is that whatever it is shopping um, tries to make you feel like you're accomplishing. And what's true about shopping, if any of you have been there, is that usually when you get home, you're disappointed that that didn't fulfill what you wanted to fulfill. And what we're saying is that love actually will do a better job if we can lean into joy and peace and patience and kindness. Does that make sense? Let me give you a different example. Pornography. Ooh, it always gets quiet when I say that. <laughs> Pornography. Whatever it is for you that pornography seems to help you accomplish, what Scripture, what Paul is trying to help us understand is that the Holy Spirit working love into our lives, like the fruit of that, actually will help us accomplish whatever it is that we're looking for better than that bad habit. Are you with me? So you fill in the blank for you. Like whatever it is that's, trying to help you accomplish. Maybe the Spirit's work of love 
would help you accomplish it better. And one of the ways that we get there is to focus on our roots, not the fruit. Because oftentimes when we talk about love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, all those things, we want to focus on those things. Like, I want to be more loving. I want to be more peaceful, patient. When reality is, if it's the Holy Spirit that's bringing this about in us, we, we can't focus on just the fruit. We, we need to focus on what we're listening to, where we're standing, and who we're surrounding ourselves with. Where am I planted? Because the roots that are going down, those are the... the bringing about. That, that's where um, fruit is the result of a healthy connection. That's, that's where I'm getting the development in, in, my, in my heart. That's what's changing me. It's not the effort. Does that make sense? There is effort, but it's not the effort that brings about fruit for a tree. It's the healthy connection. That's what's bringing about. So quick, a um, couple quick scriptures, and we're going to sing and, and, um, and wrap up together. And I, I hope you chew on this this week. I, I hope you spend some time in this because I think it could, it could do some, some good spirit development work in you and in me. Um, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So in Ephesians, Paul is writing, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And listen to what he says. He gives us three different examples. I think this is fascinating, very practical. He says, so if you're telling lies, stop telling lies. And instead, tell your neighbor the truth. So what Paul is, I mean, super practical. Paul every now and then gets super practical. And he says, okay, so don't tell lies. What should I do? Well, you should tell the truth. Focus on the good. Don't, don't just feed into the negative. And so you might say, well, that's a little, I don't know what to do with that. So then he goes on and he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Well, that's easy to say. Like if I enjoy stealing, what am I going to do with my hands? Paul says, I can help you with that. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then instead of taking from other people, actually give to other people. Isn't that awesome how Paul kind of shifts for us? He gives us a little bit of the opposite. He's saying, look, if you want to develop love in you, you've got to make some decisions. It's not about your hard work and effort. It's actually about opening yourself and let the Spirit do something in you. And if you need to, some help in that, like stop stealing. Instead, be generous. Don't use your hands to take all the time. Use your hands to give. Mm. And then he gives one more. Uh, this is one that we want to skip in our culture today. You guys are going to tell me, oh, you're just old school, Matt. You don't know what you're talking about. He says, don't use foul and abusive language. Matt, you don't live in the real world. You just go from your house to the church. And it's funny when I, like every now and then when I'm out golfing with people or in certain circumstances, people are like, oh, they accidentally, they say something in front of me. They cuss and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I have never heard that word. What does that mean? And, uh, that's always funny to say that, but um, I know, I get our culture is what our culture is. And it's so easy to just go with the flow of culture. I get it. I get it. And don't worry, I hear words and stuff all the time. 
And what Paul is suggesting is that we, where we plant ourselves is that we make a decision to not use foul and abusive language. Well, then what do I do? I let everything I say be good and helpful and encouraging rather than demeaning or abusive. Isn't that interesting? Just that little turn. And what I love about this practical piece of scripture and the story that's all pointing to Jesus is that Paul isn't just saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. That's what we do as parents, isn't it? Don't do that, don't do that. Dad, can I do anything? Paul's saying, yeah, do this. Instead of using abusive language, use encouraging language. Instead of taking things from other people, work hard and then be generous with what what you get out of your work. I love that practical side. Um, And I'm going to finish with this passage as an encouragement, and then we're going to start with this next week as we close our series. So next week, we're going to close our series. Um, So let's not get tired of doing good, church. Let's not get tired of doing good. Let's plant ourselves in good work, in good deeds, in good words. Like, let's plant ourselves in Christ and let's not get tired of doing good. And if if we don't get tired of it, at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. Let's not give up. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone we can. So this week, I sure hope you'll wrestle with the Spirit. I hope you'll take some time to think about uh, what it is that, that you're trying to accomplish with an attitude or a habit and, and dig into that a little bit. Like, what is it I'm trying to accomplish with my anger or with this habit or with this addiction? What am I trying to accomplish here? And, and then as you back away from that, say, God, could you, could you help develop love in me, that fruit? Could you bring about love in me? And would that help me accomplish what it is I'm trying to get better than what it, what it is I've been doing? Um, would, would you stand with me? And like I said, we're going to sing this last song as we, as we close. And it's this simple song that says, God, we need you. So many things, we can't do this on our own, so, so we need you. So God, in these moments, um, as we reflect and, and respond to you, we simply want to cry out that we need you. We need your love. We need your grace. And God, we really need your spirit. We need your spirit to develop in us the things that we haven't been able to create on our own. We need your spirit to create fruit, uh, love, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. We need some self-control. And so God, as we plant ourselves in you, we pray that you would develop it. In Jesus' name.